Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sparks 8 Birthday Celebration! Will you please welcome your host for this evening, Miss Charlie Harrison! party um we've been going for eight years ladies and gentlemen eight years a spark amazing so um for those that are like what's going on here spark is a live true storytelling club the only rules of storytelling at spark right is the stories must be true and they must have happened to you and tonight we're going to be doing something quite different this is a bit experimental uh, we're doing like a Spark relay. So normally we have a theme at Spark. So I remember when I came to my first Spark, uh, I just turned up. My mate was there at the bar. I needed a drink. And it was, the theme was mischief, right? And I was like, what's going on? Like, this old lady got up on stage and she went, I used to sell acid. <laughs> and I thought, this is the most amazing thing I've ever been to. Um, but to, to, today we don't have a theme. But what we're going to experiment with, we're going to have storytellers coming up. And if... Something they've said in their story has sparked a idea in your head. Perhaps their story takes place in Ghana. Perhaps you've been to Ghana. You get up, right, and then you tell a story about that. We also have, and I've always wanted to call you this, Dave the Rave. Uh, I've never been able to call you that for it to have any reason, but I can call you Dave the Rave tonight because Dave the Rave is doing music in between stories. Explain to the girls and boys, Dave. What I'm going to attempt to do is select a song whilst the story is happening that kind of fits or sparks uh, from the themes in the story. And I'm hoping for some Spice Girls in there, hopefully. Good. We've told, we worked out before everyone came here that going eight years, over 2,000 stories have been told on the Spark stage. How good is that? Round of applause. Yes. And hopefully many more to come. Also, we don't, I said we don't have a theme, right? But we do have... We've given you these slips. The question was, what's the best worst present you've ever received? So what's the best worst present you've ever received? A copy of the 2003 World Cup final highlights on DVD. <laughs> In 2014. <laughs> and then it just says, I hate rugby. This one I like. Uh, what's the best worst present you've ever received? My favourite album, which I already owned, which was bought for me because, and here's the quote, I always hear you playing it. <laughs> um, 
And I'll be reading these out through the night, so do, do sort of uh, fill them out and I'll read them in between. So, it's a bit of an experiment, but it's a party. Let's welcome our first storyteller. It's a first-time storyteller to Spark, going on first, so that's a very brave thing to do. So I want you to go wild for Zanya, ladies and gentlemen. Nice to meet you all. And today I'm telling you the story of my journeywoman's tale. I was studying at Brighton University and I was in my final year and I saw it as an opportunity to do the things that I've always wanted to do. Kind of one last hurrah, you've got one year and then you kind of need to go and face the real world. And I decided to pick three things I loved doing, which were probably similar to a lot of you, traveling, meeting people, and learning things. During my research, I came across this thing called a journeyman. It's a tradition that started in Europe a couple of hundred years ago, where usually a man would pick a trade or a craft, and he would go and meet different masters of that craft. And it could be anything like... um, like glazing or bricklaying or carpentry and eventually they'd travel around different masters of that craft picking up different tricks and um, different habits and ways of doing it that would mean that they'd end up having a really rich learning experience of that craft and also it would be character building because they'd have to travel outside of their comfort zone to different communities and learn from people that they'd never met before so it was kind of like a, a grand voyage of learning a craft I saw that and I thought that's perfect that's exactly what I want to do but in the kind of greed of um well, it was kind of characteristic of me that I didn't want to just pick one thing and stick at it for one year or the rest of my life, God forbid. I decided that instead of picking one craft, I would try and learn as many as possible. So I set out in East Sussex trying to find different craftspeople to try and learn from them. And after a while, I noticed that quite a few of them were based along this river called the River Ouse. And... One of the first people I met on this river was a boatmaker. And after meeting the boatmaker, a lovely man called Ryan, who was so completely passionate about his craft, he'd done painting and then he turned to boat building. And I found his passion contagious and kind of came back to university and I said, I want to make a boat. And my tutors were like, <laughs> anyone can make a boat. You just have to follow an instruction manual and you can make a boat. It's kind of just like you know, making a toy train or, or a toy aeroplane. And that was a fair point. And I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to carry on trying to learn from different interesting people and see what pops up. And uh, so I did and followed this pattern of the river that had started to emerge met some really wonderful people was just kind of so overwhelmed by their openness and the fact that they were willing to share their stories and their their trades with me they weren't the sort of people who were kind of closed about their skill they didn't want to hide it from me they didn't see me as a threat and all I had to do was just say I I like what you're doing can I ask you a few questions and they'd be flattered open their doors and and I'd learn from them and so I decided to make an object that celebrated them and combined their skills and their crafts. So, and the boat seemed like an obvious thing because I really wanted to make a boat. And also because it's a symbol of travel and journey. And, and I'd, I'd become a journeywoman in my own way. 
So the boat ended up becoming a vessel that combined different crafts, including basket weaving, wool spinning, rope making, upholstery, and boat making. After I made the boat, we had a Brighton show and a London show. And in the London show, it's in this place called the Business Design Centre in Islington. And it's kind of, um, it's, a great, it's a great thing. But I felt kind of surrounded by innovations in plumbing and kind of water sanitation in Africa, like a lot of really great product design projects. And I felt like, oh, what the hell was I thinking bringing a basket woven boat to this place? It's really not the right vibe. And then, um, so it got to kind of the fifth day of this show and I, I gave up and uh, went to Topshop. <laughs> On... <laughs> Um, kind of real moment of desperation there and I don't know if any of you have been to Topshop in Oxford Street but it's like a black hole when it comes to phone signal and um, and so I was down there for a few hours just kind of drowning my sorrows in fast fashion and um, came out and I had a voicemail from a friend from the show and she was like she's French and she I can't, I'm not going to do the French accent <laughs> it always comes out rush oh then yeah this man, he said, Sebastian Conran, he came to buy your boat and you were not here. And I, I, I didn't quite understand what was going on. Like, Sebastian Conran, that kind of rang a bell. I, I Googled him and, and I was like, wow, shit, Sebastian Conran's a big deal. She's, she's pulling my leg. And, um, and then I called her and she said, no, his business card is here, come. And I gave him a call and he said, uh, yeah, so I really like your boat. I want to buy it for my dad as a birthday present. And... <laughs> <laughs> And, um, and this took me a minute or two to come around to, and um, I hadn't priced the boat or anything like that. I went to my tutor, and I said, well, what the hell do I charge? And he said, I don't know, just think of a number and then double it. And if it's less than £2,000, it's not enough. And um, so I did that. And Sebastian was like, well, you know, I've never really spent more than £1,000 on a birthday present. So I said, okay, thousands, fine. This is amazing. I mean, it's Terence Conran's birthday present. This is, I mean, so if, for any of you who don't know, Terence Conran um, set up Habitat and um, he's kind of king of British design. But I didn't want to give him the original boat, so I made a second one, which unfortunately I was really enthusiastic about and stretched the cowhide that I'd, it's kind of the upholstery element on it too tight and it warped, and which meant it had a bump in it. So that's the one I've still got and gave them the original. And it was great. I went to his house and 10 o'clock in the morning, he wasn't there. So I sat in the kitchen for a while. And then after about half an hour, he shuffled in with a cigar in his mouth and kind of said, thank you, but not much else. And I was like, oh, great. OK, well, I've met, I've met Terence Conran. This is, this is a huge moment in my career. I'm happy. Then about a year later, I got a letter from him um, inviting me to take part in a project called Wishlist for London Design Festival where he paired 10 young designers with 10 big dog designers, for want of a better word, including the likes of Zaha Hadid, Norman Foster himself, and Lord Richard Rogers. He designed the Millennium Dome and the Pompidou Centre, and I was paired with him to uh, make an object for the wish list, an object that he'd always wanted but never been able to find. And for Richard... Uh, Lord Richard, or I don't know how to find <laughs> some monumental cock-ups happened, and um, Sir Conran, and um, he'd, he'd always wanted a ladder, a ladder that you could sit at the top of and kind of survey the lost corners of a room. 
so something you could sit at and work on and um, that was kind of a, a feat of engineering and, and design style in the kind of extravagant way that the Rogers do with their kind of the Pompidou Center is um, I mean it's mad and so for that project I, I got to work with them we collaborated in the design process I had to m- collaborate with a carpenter to make it in the space of five days which was kind of incredibly stressful because I didn't understand why I'd been chosen I wasn't a I wasn't a product designer I felt or or a carpenter and um I just I I I was a constant panic of the fact that I'd be found out for kind of not being what they expected me to be but it went really well and it ended up being in the Victoria and Albert Museum last summer which was just a huge peak in my career, which is something I'll eventually, hopefully, re-peak. And, <laughs> and, um, and since then, I've, I've carried out a, a postgraduate course uh, where I set up a club called Curiosity Club for schools in South London, uh, where I tried to take the positive experience I had from meeting craftspeople and also people like Richard Rogers and Terence Conran, who, if you kind of find the right vocabulary and the right technique to flatter someone, you can find out whatever you want. And um, so it's, it's working in a school, it's a five-week project, and it's uh, encouraging young people to approach people that they're inspired by or curious about and and then going to meet them and as a result kind of realizing that it, it, it kind of all it takes is just the first step out the door to kind of ask the right questions and then it, you can go from there it's had some real successes there's a girl who's doing an internship with a lawyer now i haven't heard the ding but i feel like i've been talking for more than five minutes <laughs> great so that's that's um that's me and yeah thanks for listening <laughs> Amazing. What a lovely start, ladies and gentlemen. Zanya, inspiring story there. And Dave selected a song. Um, what song did you select, Dave, for this one? If you were a sailboat. Isn't that lovely? What a lovely connection. While that plays, get a drink. Perhaps you'll be inspired to tell a story from that story. I will just read out a couple of these. Uh, to maybe inspire you further. What is the best worst present you've ever had? A pair of oven gloves knitted by my grandmother from flammable wool. <laughs> what is the best worst gift you've ever received? The best worst gift I've ever received isn't the good story. The best worst gift I ever received was a bottle of used nail polish to my sister for Christmas. It was used because it was already hers. I stole it then regifted. <laughs> Yep. All right. I won't read the name of that person that told that story, but thank you for your contribution. Come up to me. I'll be at the bar if you want to tell a story, if you're inspired by the first story. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the end of the song. So this is the second bit where we'll have some more storytellers. Take your seats back. We've also had some contributions from you. Uh, what is the best, worst gift you've ever received? A DVD about the Korean criminal justice system. In Korean. <laughs> I don't speak Korean. Thank you for that. What is the best, worst gift you've ever received? A box of Tesco Value chocolate truffles, which still had the reduced sticker left on it. Thanks, I feel so valued. Are you ready for another live story storyteller to take the stage, ladies and gentlemen? Yes. Uh, Please welcome, she's a seasoned storyteller, she's been to Spark before. Please welcome to stage the wonderful, the one, the only, Haliel. In the year 2000, I was a mediocre second year medical student. But I knew that I had greatness within me. Not the sort of greatness that was just going to come out. It was going to have to be strategically dragged out. But I had a plan. I would become a super specialist in some obscure thing. And then people would be like, wow, look at all she knows. What a second year medical student. (laughs) I selected reasonably well at random and decided that my subject was going to be kidney failure. (laughs) And furthermore, I was not going to settle for kidney failure in Scotland, but I was going to go global. I would travel the world figuring out How do we treat kidney failure? Because that seemed like an excellent plan. Luckily, I had the summer available, and so I just started looking through which countries had good kidney failure treatment, and Japan did. And I was like, great, I've only just read Memoirs of a Geisha. This is going to be amazing. So I emailed random kidney professors in hospitals around Japan and said, I would love to come for a month and learn about your kidney failure. And one of them replied and said, yes. I was so excited. I, it was essentially my first time ever traveling by myself, but then, you know, what could go wrong? I hopped on a plane to Osaka, and that summer, there I was, I stepped out and I met my host family that the hospital had arranged for me. My host family did not speak English, but it was fine. I had a couple of words. I had hello and excuse me. Kidney. (laughs) Jinzo, if you're wondering. Um, So I was very confident. Um, And the first night I got this indication that my confidence might be misplaced when we were sitting around the dinner table and we were eating and suddenly everyone in the family started to look really, really upset. Little girls started to cry. But they were all looking at me like it was probably my fault. (laughs) 
So I'm, you know, charading. Is there a problem? Excuse me, kidney? Um, and the father goes and he gets the dictionary and he starts looking down it and he finds the right words and he's saying, you make a curse with your chopsticks. Apparently, I had crossed my chopsticks at some specific angle that had cursed their household. And I felt that this was an inauspicious start. When I got to the hospital, it was even more apparent that my grand plan had more flaws than I had suspected. Nobody spoke any English in that hospital. Like, literally, the, the doctors would let me go into their clinics and I would sit there for five hours while they talked to somebody in Japanese. And I was like, gosh, kidney failure was a terrible choice because, like, there's no signs of kidney failure. You can't look at something. There's just, like, people talking and then maybe, like, looking at blood results while I sat there really trying not to fall asleep. But it was so awful because, like, there was all this writing and it was only in Japanese and I couldn't read any of it, of course. I would get lost in the hospital and I would just, like, be stopping people and saying, excuse me, kidney. <laughs> excuse me, kidney. <laughs> and then after I said that 10,000 times, it turned out that instead of excuse me, I'd actually been saying don't shave. <laughs> Back at the house... <laughs> Things were worse than ever. I was eating my, eating my chopsticks. I was trying not to, you know, curse the family again. And I, like, had them too straight, and I put them into my bowl of rice, and thus designated the bowl as an offering to the dead. <laughs> and it, it turned out, after much dictionary work, that um, their grandfather had recently died, and because I had done this whole chopstick situation, we had to, like, get into the car and drive to a graveyard in the middle of the night to offer it to the dead grandfather. I was not the most popular person. <laughs> my, kidney, my kidney research was going poorly because I did not understand any words at all. Um, but I, I was given a big book of graphs, but the, the axes were written in Japanese also. <laughs> but, you know, I felt like I could you know, really wrestle this back, so I would stand there and just like, look really wise every so often. And I felt like this was going super, super well. And finally, it was time for me to go home. I'm not going to say I was sorry. But, you know, it had been an experience, and I was like, thank you so much. And the doctors indicated in their non-English-speaking way that they would like to take me out to dinner to say farewell. And I was like, oh, that's so lovely. And so off I went out to dinner. My host family were invited too, which was lovely, although the explanation was less than obvious. And then we entered, and I was really surprised to see that there was this big table. I thought that, uh, you know, it was just going to be the two or three doctors that I spoke to. But there was... There was like 40 people there, and I'd never seen most of them before. And then we all sat down, and, you know, we started eating. And then there was this big speech, and it was, it was my boss. And my boss had gone to the bother of learning English for the occasion. So he steps off, and I was like, gosh, this is so nice. And he's like, we're here to say goodbye to Professor And at that point, I was like, Professor? <laughs> but, you know, he continued... From all around the region, the top nephrologists have gathered here today for the honour of meeting Professor Hagen. And I thought, gosh. And then he said, it's been so wonderful learning so much from Professor Hagen. And I was like, gosh, I, 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 I don't shave. <laughs> 
So let's all just stand up and give this rousing thank you to her. It would be really rude at this moment. They were all so happy. I couldn't be like, I'm a medical student, guys. So I was just like, thank you, thank you. Yep, yep, yep. And then I sat down and um, I started to suavely try to eat my meal. Um, obviously, I was by now a chopstick expert, which is just as well, because this was one of those sort of Korean barbecue things. They have a big sort of strip of grill down the middle of the table and you have your little raw meats and your, you know, um, take your chopsticks and you grill them and you eat them. So I was being very careful with the chopsticks. Too careful. Held it over the grill and it went on fire. <laughs> now, it, not like a big fire, you know, like a little flame. So I was like, mm, I'm just going to surreptitiously extinguish that in my water before anybody notices. <laughs> Except I did not put it into my water, ladies and gentlemen. I put it into my sake. <laughs> There was like a little, a little sort of fireball created in my glass, ladies and gentlemen. And unfortunately, it turned out that the um, restaurant had rather a sensitive sprinkler system. <laughs> so there's my fire going down the table, the sprinklers go on, and all these waiters rush in with fire extinguishers, and they just start spraying it all over the table. All of the esteemed professors were sitting there dripping water down their face, sort of grey powder from the fire extinguishers on their face, none of them suggesting that anything was happening at all. <laughs> the etiquette was, like, pushed to the limits. They're all like, hmm, <laughs> I bowed sweetly, and I ran back to Scotland, and I thought I would never go back to Japan again until it transpired that, in fact, a good 15 years later... I'm just about to move back. Wish me luck. <laughs> Layla, ladies and gentlemen, how good was that? Yeah. So keep thinking, guys. Maybe you have a story about fire. Maybe you have a story about not shaving. Uh, maybe your story is set in Japan. Um, we now have a song. Do we, Dave? Okay, Dave has chosen a song about fire. What song have you chosen for this one, Dave? Burning Down the House. Burning Down the House. Good choice. So maybe you have burnt down a house. Uh, if you have, come to me, tell me that you're going to tell a story. Give him more slips and we'll see you back here for another story. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.